Health, Wisdom, and Wine, a weekly conversation with practitioners, providers, patients, and healers about complex reproductive medicine and women's health challenges, the value of an integrative approach to these challenges, many of the women's health topics you're already thinking about but uncomfortable talking about, and my personal favorite, wine. I'm your host, Dr. Lorena White, an integrative reproductive medicine and women's health provider, licensed acupuncturist, clinical herbalist, and a former labor support doula in the Washington, D.C. metro area. My goal is to bring women's health-specific evidence and expertise to the forefront of daily women's health and wellness news through informative conversations. If you have ideas, questions, and specific topics that you would like us to cover in future podcast episodes, please leave them in the comment section or send us an email at info at To learn more about our team's approach to care, visit our website at www.larenawhite.com. As you enjoy the podcast, conversations, and wine time, remember to follow the podcast, leave a five-star rating, and tap on the bell to make sure you never miss an episode. Let us know what is your favorite topic, who has been your favorite guest, and who would you like to hear from on the next pod. Most importantly, share the podcast and your favorite episode with a friend or colleague. Lastly, remember that this podcast is not designed to be a substitute for a bona fide relationship with a licensed or certified healthcare professional. Coming up in this last episode of season five, before a brief holiday break, I talk with Tanya Cole Lesnick about the potential scariness of group therapy, quality versus quantity, and the emotional growth opportunities that group therapy provides. Let's join the conversation. We've had a couple of mental health professionals on this pod, and today we're talking about group therapy with Tanya Cole-Lesnick. Tanya, introduce yourself and tell us a little bit about your story. Well, first of all, thank you so much for having me here. And I have been a psychotherapist and coach for 27 years now, but I did not start my career that way. I started as a graphic designer and in my 20s, went to therapy for some of my own personal stuff I wanted to work through. And the therapist at the time suggested I add group to the mix and scared me, but I did it. <laughs> and it changed my life. The combination really of group and individual therapy just helped me connect to myself and grow in a way that brought so much meaning into my life that yeah. I changed my career and became a therapist. And here I am very passionate about doing the same kind of work of combining group and individual so that people can connect to their deepest truths and live from that place. Wonderful. Well, I got to go back because graphic designer to psychotherapist <laughs> and group coach, how did you connect these two seemingly contrasting fields? Yeah, I think um, for a while in that in-between stage, when I was shifting in my own life, growing, I would talk to friends, and I was not a therapist yet, but <laughs> my husband at the time used to say to me, you know, you're not a professional, and he would tease me because I'd get very into trying to understand what was going on for my friends, trying to right. offer support and some suggestions, and 
at some point in that transition really started to visualize myself as a psychotherapist. And it felt so right to me. It felt like that's where I needed to go. So I originally thought I was going to go back to school to become a psychologist, but that journey was much longer at this point. I was, uh, I guess I was married. I was newly married and I knew we wanted to have children. And somebody suggested I look into becoming a licensed clinical social worker. It was just a more, um, a quicker journey really. And so that's what I did. I ended up, uh, ending my career. I mean, I was fortunate enough to be able to go right into school and do school full time. And I know that's not the case for everybody, but I was really lucky to be able to do that. And that's what I did. I think I really connected to probably a real honest part of who I was that I didn't even know was there until I started on that journey. Wow. That's, that's, Again, there's so many different avenues and different ways to explore self and whether it be professional or personal. And so you mentioned that being in group, um, being in group and being a group therapist moved you toward a life that lifted you up. So talk to me more about what does lifting you up mean? We'll talk about that experience. I think there's something so powerful. And as I'm moving forward in my own journey and looking at what my messaging is and what do I want to say to other people. It's that inside and out alignment that I think is the most important thing, which means check in, learn what your truth is, what brings you joy, where are you most engaged, where, what's your energy like, how do you honor your energy levels, things like that. And I think when your life on the outside takes those things into consideration and is always, you know, that you're always making a point to honor those things and you're in alignment, I think there's more joy, there's more meaning, there's more connection. And that experience of being lit up is part of that. Yeah, I love that. I love that. I like just the visual of lighting up, being lifted up, all of it. It's just, that's engagement. That's empowering. Yeah. So on the flip side, some people have this misconception about group therapy and that it's lesser than in quality um, and then say individual therapy. Mm-hmm. How do you respond to that misconception? Yeah, it's tricky because I, I think in large part, I know we're going to touch on it a little bit later, but I created a little documentary about my own story, partly to show people there are things that group offers you that's different than individual. And so trying to educate people, trying to explain that. And I'm hoping to get more and more concise as I continue forward, because it's a tricky thing to explain. And I don't think people really understand. But there's something about being in that kind of intimate, vulnerable space with other humans sharing their inner worlds with each other. That is so healing. You realize you're not alone. You realize that these amazing people that you admire are talking about some of the same insecurities that you experience. And I think there's something about that. And I know for me, when I was in my group, it helped me realize, oh, okay, maybe I'm not so flawed as I thought I was when I first took 
those steps on that journey. But maybe this is what it happens, the human condition. So I think having other people doing their work together brings something so much more powerful than individual alone. I mean, I think individual is amazing. I think group's amazing, but together, the synergy of that is very powerful. Yeah, it's it sounds it. I think so many times it's just overlooked that there are dynamics that don't necessarily happen in individual therapy that just can't happen um, because it's only one person and it's, you're only rebounding ideas off of one person. And so I think that's an important facet to to keep in mind. So we talk about emotional growth whenever we talk about mental health and wellness. How do you see group therapy fostering this kind of growth in ways that just aren't readily available in individual therapy? I think what happens when you hear other people share their stories, um, when you're paying attention to that, you can start to notice things that bubble up in you. And so if you notice something's bubbling up when somebody is sharing a story that you wouldn't have necessarily brought into an individual session because you weren't even thinking about it. But in the group, you start to realize, oh my God, I have some of those either experiences from my past or some of those feelings or some of those struggles, whatever it is. So it can help you start to identify what your truth is and touch on some of this unconscious stuff. I think people really, many people really do struggle to know, well, what is true for me? They may even understand the idea of living in in alignment is important, but then not really feel sure what their truth is. So I think hearing other people and noticing what comes up in you can be part of it. I think other people can represent people in your life outside of group. I see group as a microcosm of your world outside of group. So somebody might remind you of your partner or a parent or a sibling or something like that. And you can start to process with that person how they might respond if somebody's more of an extrovert, for example, and somebody doesn't, you know, is in life with an extrovert, but don't really know how to navigate some of the emotional stuff that gets triggered by these differences in energy can start Mm -hmm. to process some of that together with the people in group. So that, um, and yeah, and if something comes up for you and you're not sure how to address it directly, that's where individual work can be really helpful. So let's say somebody is saying something that's pissing you off. And you're not sure how to talk about it because you don't want to alienate them in group and that feels scary. Or alienate yourself. That's right. That's right. And that feels scary. But if you process that separately, individually, so you can understand it better, what's coming up for you, what does that look like? And then start to practice ways to speak about it and then go back to group feeling more ready feeling more clear and being able to speak about it, it's going to help you be able to handle confrontations outside of group, in your life outside of group, or whatever might come up for you. So it can help you get really strong and powerful with your own voice. Yeah. And I think, again, being able to, you know, really open up that throat shock or really able to not just a voice 
in terms of the actual sound, but knowing who you are, knowing where you are, and hearing the words coming out of your mouth, whether that be as they reflect on others' people's thoughts and feelings and emotions, and seeing and hearing your voice bounce off of these different energetics that are in the room have to have some type of synergistic effect That's right. because it's not just you. You're not just in a silo. You're hearing, you're feeling, you're touching, you're seeing all these different aspects of whatever topic that you're discussing. And it has to have some personal resonance in order for it to be effective, even in silence. That's powerful. Mm-hmm. And sometimes we're afraid of silence because we don't want to be the first to talk or we don't want to be the last to talk. But at the same time, even in that silence, that's where some growth can happen because there's some reflection. There's a reflection component. Yeah. I'm so glad you brought that up about the silence piece because that too, and you're allowed to not speak of it ever. You don't have to process it and bring it back to group necessarily. You can make a choice about that and decide Mm -hmm. what's going to be healing for you, what's going to serve you, or you're not ready, whatever feels like it's going to honor you best of all. Right. And again, just being able to know that there's that flow between group and individual therapy that exists so that even in group, if you're not ready, there's still that resonance that happened with the words that have been said Mm -hmm. or the words that one has received that can be reflected again in individual therapy. That's right. I mean, I still think about things that were said in the groups that I've been a part of 30 years ago that that really were powerful and life-changing and I kind of hold on to them as touchstones still. Yeah, absolutely. So prior to the pandemic, we hosted support groups and I know support groups are not the same as group therapy. However, sometimes they feel like it. Um, But we held support groups for uterine fibroids, endometriosis and fertility challenges. And as we are at the point of bringing these groups back, another misconception and you touched about it, touched on it um, about group therapy is that it's, well, scary. Yeah. Yeah. So what is your approach to facilitating group therapy sessions that leads to engaging group dynamics? Because again, we talked about, you know, it's okay to be silent, Mm -hmm. but the idea of group is so that there's some exchange of ideas and information. So how do you engage these groups so that they are beneficial for all of those who are taking part? I think I connect to each person coming into group first. So there's a level of trust between me and whoever's coming, whether it's just an initial conversation about group and what to expect with group or somebody who's worked with me individually and is starting to feel ready to join group. It could be either way. There is some level of trust there. And so once we are in that space, I mean, I actually pride myself quite a bit in creating safe spaces for people because I do Mm. know how sacred that is, how important that is. And there's a culture within our groups that people, I think, discover pretty quickly on that it's okay to be silent, be vulnerable, share some things or, or whatever it is that you feel ready to start with and mm-hmm. tolerate some of the fear to have the experience. Usually in my experience with people, not always, but usually somebody does feel supported pretty quickly by the others right. because there's almost this shorthand, we all understand this is what we do together. Yeah. And because right. they all know me 
And that may not always be fully the case, but somebody at least is going to have a conversation with me. So as long as they feel a certain level of safety with me, that can be a starting point where we can um, go into the group situation, even if you're nervous, and see how that goes and process after as well. I mean, if somebody is really struggling and feeling nervous and wants to keep talking it through to really feel like, oh, is this really going to serve me? Do I need to right. really keep going to to help myself heal um, if there's some resistance there? But to really support that process, it is tricky. Yeah. And even as you mentioned that, I was you mentioned safe spaces. And I think a lot of times, especially now, whether they be people of color or indigenous individuals, transgendered groups that have been medically underserved, completely marginalized and continue to be marginalized in today's society. Going to a safe space is already challenging, but now where it's a safe space where you just don't have to be, but now potentially participate, whether actively or passively, just by your mere presence, can be a daunting experience just to even undertake and think about. So when you talk about safe spaces, how do you cultivate that safe space energy? How do you ensure that everyone sitting around that circle or sitting in that group feels seen, feels heard, feels valued, regardless of their level of audible participation or their vocal participation? How do you ensure that safe space for those who choose to participate? Yeah. I, um, oh, My mind just blinked out about that. What was I going to say? So when people come in, oh, I know what I was going to say. I'm sorry. I structure structure my groups, first of all, so that there's a certain piece where everybody kind of has a turn. It's their turn to share. So I structure Mm -hmm. giving each person a um, space to share to start. And then I also do a lot of reflecting so that when somebody starts to share, I can take some of what they're sharing and globalize it a bit so that even though people are coming with certain things that they might be the only ones in the group that are experienced Mm -hmm. that particular piece of it, right? sometimes I go to a human place with it. And Mm -hmm. reflect back and to say, okay, this could connect to everybody in the group. This is sort of the human link. But I also want to honor each person's story. And there are certainly different challenges that people face that some people in the group haven't. And I want to also sit with that a bit and to let somebody know that we are hearing you and we are seeing you and we know that this is something we haven't had to experience. So um, depending on, you know, whatever the person is bringing to the group. Sure. So So as we talk about, I guess, group dynamics, how do you personally as the practitioner, as the clinician, how do you personally help people in these type of group therapy settings find that sense of meaning in their participation or lack thereof? And by lack thereof, just by being present, they're participating in group, whether it be actively or passively. But how do you find the way to connect to those regardless of where they are on that continuum so that they each find that individual meaning and their purpose for being in that particular group? Yeah, we do a lot of very direct 
processing of why are you here? What is it that you're longing for? And coming back to that again and again, and sometimes shifting, sometimes somebody comes for a certain reason. But in in fact, that was like me. When I first went to group, the reason why I went to group is I was struggling to have a long-term love relationship. And you may remember, I said, well, I was married when I started the process of going back to school. So through group, that was part of what happened for me. Excuse me. But I did um, connect to myself without expecting that. That wasn't what I thought, excuse me, that wasn't what I thought the journey was going to be. And so I think to keep coming back to that, where are we? What do you need? And to invite people always, if something's coming up, if there's triggering happening that they don't feel safe yet to speak to the group about. So I make myself available and I'm paying attention. So if I'm noticing somebody is really struggling, I might pause the group and let us take a breath together and let us either check in with somebody who seems to struggle or if that feels too tender to do that in that moment, I may say, Let's give so-and-so a little bit of space right now. Why don't we move mm-hmm. on for now? Something, and I will right. very deliberately check in with that person. So there's this very ongoing process that happens of where are we now? What do you want now? How's mm-hmm. it going? And checking in about that and making sure that people are feeling like they're on the path that they want to be on as they're doing this journey and this work on their personal growth. Yeah, absolutely. And just shifting a bit, you also outside of group therapy, you do also conduct individual therapy sessions and couples therapy sessions. And this is one of the things that even though it's not directly therapy, we see all the time because we're dealing with fertility challenges and we see, you know, a really engaged, one of the partners really engaged in getting treatment but yet the other partner is somewhere out in the ether and we hear about them, we talk about them, we talk about their connection, but there's either a resistance to treatment, resistance to getting some type of modality that we're suggesting. And so how do you suggest, or what suggestions do you have about combining group and individual therapy for couples who one is like actively engaged and they're ready to go but the other one is kind of like they'll do the, maybe they'll do the individual, but they're not ready to do the group or is there group sessions for couples? So how do you, what is that dynamic like? I just think that's part of the work. Part of the work is accepting that that is where your partner's at and Mm -hmm. to explore how do you feel about that? Is that, can you tolerate the fact that your partner's not into it the way that you're into it and do your own work Sometimes when somebody does their own work, it has such an impact on the relationship. So if there's some acceptance, like my partner's not where I want them to be, sometimes people get like want to insist and push Mm -hmm. for it. And sometimes people try that. I I don't find that to be terribly productive because I just think that maybe a session or two with some communication and doing some work around what that's about. But if that 
resistance continues and the person's really not into it, I think to let the other person do their own healing and then reassess, where are you? Because sometimes that person can grow and then the other person who's more resistant starts to approach a little bit more the idea of doing some sort of therapy because they're witnessing their partner grow. And sometimes it can be a wedge between people. Yeah, I can definitely see that. And again, sometimes we always say that certain things are diagnostic when one element or one part of that pair is growing and the other isn't. Mm -hmm. And it's almost like, okay, you're noticing this, you're saying this, these are things that are bubbling up for you. Are you really trying to have a baby with this person? Mm -hmm. Are you even trying to stay married to this person? Or if you're not married, are you even trying to stay in a relationship with this person? Because you're noticing all these things are coming up. They're being explored. Your eyes are opening. The veil has been removed. And sometimes it's that kind of eye-opening experience that, yeah, even though this wasn't the end game when you set out, through the process of that emotional growth that you spoke of before, things happen. Mm Mm-hmm. So I don't know if I'm, you know, I've seen too many rom-coms or not. So I'll say, <laughs> is, is there a group therapy for couples? Do you, is that a thing? Or couples are in group therapy it's together as couples? It's a good question. I, I actually was <laughs> thinking about it at some point in my journey and was thinking uh-huh. about creating it, but I've never done it. I think it, I'm sure it exists. I've never okay. done it. So okay. yeah, I've only done um, couples separate. And then at the moment, I don't have men in my groups or other genders. I know it gets a little bit um, more fluid these days. So just trying to envision what that might look like. At the moment, it's all women for me in my groups, but I'm really open to growing other groups as well. Haven't done couples and groups, but I think it could be very powerful. For sure. Yeah, again, I think I may have probably watched maybe one too many movies in terms of <laughs> seeing people sitting in groups and talking. And I guess it's more in a support group type atmosphere. But either way, I was like, yeah, I think there could be a, it could be an interesting movie or TV show either way. Um, so in group therapy, there are subtle dynamics, again, that we talked about that just don't happen in an individual therapy. By design, what kind of unconscious clues and cues can you and do you pick up on that just can't and don't happen in individual therapy? I was going to say this earlier and I just had forgotten. So I'm glad you brought that back up. So what can happen is, like I said before about this group being a microcosm of your life outside of group. So imagine that you're somebody who overly caretakes and you have Mm -hmm. trouble focusing on yourself and paying attention to your own needs and instead you're always kind of paying attention to what other people need that can totally be recreated in group somebody can end up putting themselves on the back burner making sure everybody else is getting their needs met in group acting like a therapist to the other people and giving them feedback yes Uh and and not focusing on their own stuff. And that's Mm. usually done, you know, they're not paying attention to that pattern. But as I know some of these patterns, and we can together as a group starts to start to learn some of these patterns, we can 
call it out, not in a shaming way. It's, it's kind of as the journey unfolds and that gets spoken, then there's some permission. In fact, we can very deliberately ask for that permission. If we see this pattern happening, are you open to feedback about it? Mm -hmm. And to let somebody know, oh, this pattern is showing up. So that was one example. The other is really paying attention to what bubbles up when you're hearing other people talk, because there are things you're going to respond to that Mm -hmm. you probably didn't expect. Yeah. Because they're going to be, I don't know, anywhere between 8, 10, 12, whoever large the group is, different perspectives, different opinions, different journeys that are represented. And they're not all going to not necessarily come from the same place or they're not going to the same place. And so really being able to bounce those ideas off of each other in ways that can be completely unexpected is going to be, you know, part of the challenge for the individual and part of the challenge for you to make sure that all those group dynamics stay in a healthy realm. That's right. (laughs) Yes. Right. So for clients who participate in both individual and group therapy, how do you move them from the periphery to their purpose without intentionally singling out an individual in a group setting? I think that's part of the unfolding and the growth. So if that person is continuing to work with me individually, then we Mm -hmm. can check in privately about some of that progress. If they're choosing just to do group, we can check in during group. So it's similar to what I said earlier about asking permission for things. If somebody does say, yes, this is what I'm working on, then we might, or I might say, and then bring the other group members in because being able to help each other see some blind spots is part of what's so powerful about having other people there. We can't see those ourselves. And so to have feedback, and I think there is something about hearing from multiple people that they're noticing something about us that is really powerful that's so different than one person giving you feedback. There's some weight to it. But I know you're speaking about the shame part. You don't want, I mean, I think you're asking about, we don't want to embarrass somebody. We don't want somebody to feel called out in a very shameful way. Absolutely. And I think to be gentle with Mm -hmm. some of that conversation, maybe it's something that gets noticed and touched on just a tiny bit some permission gets asked, can we talk a little bit more about it? Right. People, I ask people to bring in what do they want to work on. We, I do some psychoed during my group as well. I, I have topics, like I said before, I have structure and everybody has a chance to speak. But I also have topics based on where we're at and where the growth is happening, I'll plan for the next session a topic. So the topic could be something like, pay attention to your energy, what's coming up for you through the week, and let's talk about it next week. Or it could be confrontations, let's talk about how you are with that, what comes up, what doesn't. And so the topics kind of globalize some of these human experiences, and then we can get into identifying what each person might be relating to with that. And I think to educate even about I always say transformation comes with some discomfort and to, and to keep reminding people again and again that 
that's part of it. And we can celebrate that. Like if somebody makes small gains, we really want to call that out too. It's not just the hard stuff, but it's like, look at what you just did. And celebrating those wins. That's right. That's right. Right. And one of my very favorite things is when the group members catch that before I do. And they're calling it out to each other before I even sort of am involved in some of that. Because there's a real cohesive community that starts to come together as people get to know each other on that level. So yeah, yeah, I, I love that. And I think that's, again, one of those components that you just aren't going to be able to attain in individual uh, therapy because of the fact that there's a singular, you know, singular interface one-on-one. Mm-hmm. So you mentioned it before, so let's talk about it now. You have a documentary yes. out yeah. called Group. So tell us a little bit about it and what aspects you highlight and illuminate. Yeah, that was a kind of a funny unfolding for me. I was thinking I wanted to do a professional video and I was just getting back into my own practice. I've gone back and forth having my own practice, working for other people, and just January coming back into my own practice, knowing that I wanted to continue to focus on group in a more primary way, because I've often done it as a more secondary thing with individual being primary, but my heart was always in group, so Mm -hmm. honoring that. Um, But... As I was talking to a cinematographer who is, she's a young lady who I saw grow up. She was friends with my daughter. She really encouraged me to consider a documentary style. And like a year and a half into this, I mean, really, it's just a 10 minute documentary, but there were conversations and figuring out what the story was and all of that. And I think the unfolding for me was coming back to how powerful that story was in my life of going into this group situation, feeling very flawed and Mm -hmm. realizing I wasn't flawed. I'm just human and addressing hard stuff and achieving the goal that I had, which was to have a long-term relationship. I've been married for 30 years now. My husband and I have two grown daughters. So Congratulations. My, thank you. My <laughs> goal was to meet somebody and have a long-term relationship. And I know I touched on this earlier, but what ended up happening was I really fell in love with myself. I really started yeah. to learn like, oh, okay, like, I'm okay. And being able Mm -hmm. to um, just celebrate that at times, feel comfort and peace with that at times, put myself out there in a way I hadn't before. So it it just kind of catapulted me a little bit more into or a lot more into life in a much more connected way. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. So you also host weekend and custom retreats. So how are these retreats an extension of the work that you do in group therapy and beyond? So I do uh, retreats in several different ways. One is inviting people who do my groups to participate Mm -hmm. in a retreat. Those are often pretty small. And I've done either sometimes at a place where they kind of, it's like a, 
hotel setting type place where we're all staying there at the same time. And I've also done smaller Airbnb type situations where Mm -hmm. we'll kind of be together in a small community. There's a real focus on going deeper, connecting, um, having fun, doing some self-care activities, doing some like physical activity as well, Mm -hmm. doing some sort of creative project that allows you to make a tangible item that reflects what you've been working on for the weekend. And it's similar to group in, in that there's a certain safe feeling, you know each other, or you at least know somebody has been in group with me, so they get it. Right. Um, so that's one way that I offer retreats. And I think it's an opportunity to go deeper because it's a full weekend of really going into some of these things where group is, my groups are an hour and 15 minutes, and then you leave and you come back for the next session. But this is several sessions in a row. There's a real letting go ceremony. We talk about what's in the way, what are some of the blocks, and then some envisioning of, well, what do you want? And what would your best life even look like and helping people start to peel away some of the layers that in regular everyday life might, they might not feel quite as um, at it as they can be for the retreat. So that's one. Another one is if people have a group that already exists and they want to either work on something together. So it could be Mm -hmm. a family that wants to, process something and wants to take this time to connect, have deeper conversations, do some activities that are bonding, that kind of thing. That's a custom, you know, they could talk to me and I I would make a proposal of this is what I could offer. And does it work for you? So that's another one. And then I'm actually going to be collaborating with another wonderful therapist in early 2023, and we're going to do a retreat in Costa Rica. So to be Ooh, continued, I haven't, lovely. we haven't like figured out all the details yet, but destination. Yeah. Yeah. Destination retreat. That's really great. Yeah. Yeah. And she's, and another, how did you pick Costa Rica? Um, I don't know. We both, we've done this, this other, um, clinician and I both are we call each other groupies we both love groups and we have done more local retreats together Mm -hmm. before and want to go somewhere better so we're like I don't know let's go to Costa Rica it was a little bit random but we both kind of thought it was kind of not so so far but right yeah just far enough to be not in the day-to-day hustle bustle that's right and removed from that a little bit yeah yeah I love that so before we go on um I want to ask like just for our listeners who are you know still toying with group therapy trying to figure out what are some questions to ask for that group facilitator for that therapist for that clinician about their approach to group that is different than individual but how do they even get into a group how do they make sure that that group is for them and what characteristics or what features should be uh, something to look forward to or something to ask into yeah that's a really good question I feel like some of the questions you asked me today are some good questions that people can ask (laughs) things like 
how can I do my journey and work on the goals that I have in group? Because not yeah. every group, of course, we know this, but not every group is going to be the same. Not every True. group leader is going to be mindful about helping you move towards your goals. So that would be an important right. thing to make sure that it is a place to deliberately work on things. If that's what you mm -hmm. want to do with groups, sometimes being in a space where people, for example, if people have similar traumatic histories, there could be something healing about being in space together and navigating some of their own healing together, right. which might be a little bit different. My groups are probably further along in somebody's treatment where there's mm -hmm a focus on, okay, I want to keep going. I want to go to what's next in my life. So it depends right. on really what you're needing out of group. Okay. But I think to say, how is group different than individual to the therapist? And what, how is your group structured? I think that's mm -hmm. helpful too, because if it's very open-ended and there isn't some structure, some people love that, but it might not be the best fit for everybody. Right. And to get a sense of how that therapist is going to kind of move you, help you move forward, because I, I think it sometimes if you're in a group where that isn't happening, it can be a very pleasant experience. I've been right. in groups like that where it's a lovely experience, but I'm mm -hmm. not really feeling like it's I'm moving towards what I need. So I think right. to really ask some of those questions about how are you going to help me get my needs yeah. met in group and to talk sure. about some of your resistance and some of your fears, because I think yeah. most people have it. I had it. Mm -hmm. I mean, I mm -hmm. was very terrified before I went to group that first time. And honestly, I didn't ask a lot of questions because I really trusted that therapist Right. And that could be a way in too, if you really mm -hmm. trust your therapist and, and the therapist is saying this is going to be healing for you and you want to just go with it. I think that can be an okay way to go, but to make sure if you're not feeling that, to make sure that person can help you understand how your needs are going to be met. Right. And what size is a, or what size range is a healthy range that's not too intimidating in terms of too many ideas, too many cross conversations, too many um, discussions being, and I guess maybe too much engagement, yeah. so to speak. And what size is not quite enough to get that level of engagement? Mm -hmm. What is that size range that kind of is that sweet spot? Yeah, I, I think between five and 10 is probably ideal. Okay. Um, I like the smaller intimate groups. I think you can really go deep. And honestly, I've had situations where not everybody showed up for a week. So then mm -hmm. maybe two, only two people showed up every now and then. Right. And I used to think, oh, no, it's only yeah. two people. It's not going to be a great group experience. But I have changed that philosophy mm -hmm. and sometimes those end up being the best groups because... Yeah you end up going either deeper than you might mm -hmm. have with everybody else there because there is a little bit more of a safe feeling or right. um, there could be something that the two of you share that mm -hmm. can be really therapeutic to get into right. in a different way. So I kind of trust that I think between five and 10 is my personal ideal, but I yeah. do kind of trust however it works out, not bigger, but however it works out, if it's a real small one, that right. it can be really amazing also. 
Yeah, I was again curious about that number because we um, are about to start group prenatal care groups, and the ideal number is eight to twelve. So I just wanted to see if that kind of over yeah. overlapped with that five to ten range, and it does. And I think that's part of the one making sure you can get engagement each week about the topics, but that it's not overwhelming. Like there's too many people talking, I can't be heard, I can't you know be seen, and that old overall dynamic of just being overwhelmed. Mm-hmm. Because that can cause another issue as well, especially in a group setting. Yeah. So as we wrap up, are there any other resources you recommend for our listeners who are interested in group therapy? So if somebody's interested in group therapy with me specifically, I offer a free discovery session where I will chat with somebody about how their journeys could be helped by groups specifically. Like I'll right. get into specifics for them. Um there are also, I feel like group is starting to show up a little bit more in the world. Right. I know that there's a couple of group, I don't know how good they are, so I'm not really recommending it necessarily, but I have seen a couple of, one is called um, Pace Groups, I think, and another is Groupon or something like that. So it, it might be something worth checking out if you wanted to explore that. I also think... Psychology Today advertises mm-hmm. a lot of or has a lot of therapists list through them and groups are, okay. can be listed through them as well. So you could look through that. I think the um, holistic psychologist has a community. She She's uh, on Instagram, but she has a community that's different. It's not group. But it's a community okay. and it's a way to connect to other people on their healing journeys that might be almost like a little way in to start mm-hmm. connecting to other people in a community about this personal growth stuff. And then if that feels healing, maybe exploring a, a group that you can be a part of. Right. And I didn't ask you this before, but now I was just thinking about it. Are these groups in-person, virtual, hybrid, combination? How are, what is the dynamic in the group setting as we speak? Uh, the ones that, that I run? Yeah. Yes, the ones that I run are all virtual. They used okay. to be all in-person, and now they're yeah. all virtual. So, okay. But, th- of course, the retreats are in-person. So there's of sort of a nice, I think, back and forth if you do the virtual groups, but then you have a chance to spend a little time together um, at various points through the journeys is right. kind of a neat check-in. Yeah. Again, I ask all everything now because there's having that virtual component is also of an encouraging factor because it's like, there's that still, I'm not completely, you know, bearing my soul and everything. And there's still that kind of safety factor in that virtual component and having that ability to, connect in person with a retreat with some of the same people that you potentially were in group with can also be that extra added bonus. So yeah, that's one. Yeah. 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 I think you're right. Totally about that extra safety factor that can be really helpful for some people. I know some people really miss the in-person stuff and Mm -hmm. I get it. I I loved that too, but I love the idea of being able to open up to sort of people across the world to be able to connect together. Because you're then you're definitely getting a complete different perspective from different people, not just the people in your local area who sometimes we 
have a tendency to like think alike. And even if you're in that same community or in that same area versus, okay, there are people from all different coasts all around the world. And as long as you've got an internet connection, you know, that's that wonderful exchange of diverse ideas and perspectives that again, you cannot get an individual therapy. So that's great. Yeah. Yeah. Any parting words of wisdom, Tanya? Um, just, I think it's an amazing experience. I've had people who have resisted, resisted. And then when they got into it, they're like, oh, okay, I get it now. And That's so what it's, we're doing now. Yeah, yeah, so it's this kind of experience that I think really does it, trigger a lot of fear and apprehension. But I think right. there's such joy too, really in connecting with right. other people. It's not all the difficult parts of the journey. There's something so lovely about people really seeing you and knowing you. Yeah. So, yeah. And that's community. So I think yeah. that's wonderful too. Yeah. All right. Well, until we meet again, thank you so much. Thank you so much. Thanks for joining Women's Health Wisdom and Wine. We really hope you enjoyed our conversation today. Think about one gem you can take away from this episode and apply it to your own life. Also, remember to follow us, review us, and give us five stars. Till we meet again, remember, nourish your flourish.